0: Hello and welcome back to the Villa Filler podcast. I'm here with my good friend Dan Wiseman. As always, Dan, it's another transfer Rumour Mill podcast. First of all, how are you doing? Second of all, it's a bit of an exciting one this week, isn't it, Dan?
1: Yeah, for sure, man. I love how regular these these pods are coming out now. It feels like every, every other day we're sat down talking about something new that's uh, either coming out of the club or coming out of the media or something like that. Um, exciting times, for sure. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, after we recorded our... Uh, reaction podcast to Sheffield United and, and preview Bristol City. Literally, as soon as I, uh, as soon as I ended the Zoom call, uh, I did my obligatory check of Twitter just while I'm getting the edit ready. And I saw that Villa were linked with uh, Islam Sar, which is typical for us to end the podcast and uh, and a rumour to come out like that. But we're here now talking about that. And there's another big one, uh, which I'm sure you've all seen about James Milner now, but we're, we're going to get into those uh, during the podcast. Dan, I think, first of all, We'll talk about what's more than likely the easier one, Jens Milner. He's apparently available for around £8 million. Leeds have been interested for the past year and a half. I think it's always been reported if Leeds come up, they want to bring Milner home. He's going to be the first signing in the Premier League. And at 34 years of age, Milner has aged like a fine wine, it's safe to say. He is a man who takes himself and his career so seriously. And I know look, he's 34, It doesn't really fit the bill, but you could argue he's better than all of our midfielders at the club at the moment. And for eight million pounds, which is essentially pennies in the modern game, it seems like a no-brainer Dan to bring Nona home.
1: Yeah, I think it's one where um like the 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 fairy tale move for him is probably Leeds. Um mm-hmm. I'm sure that's probably where, you know, he's Leeds born and bred, came through at his boyhood club, played for them before uh moving to Newcastle. Um and I think that's that's probably the move that uh, would, as I said, give him the fairytale end into the career. But uh, as you say, it's, he's been linked for a long time, um, but it just hasn't really materialised. Uh, and Leeds, um, I've got some midfielders, which which I really like it. And Click, for example, has, has stepped up to the Premier League, uh, scored in both of his first games and, and looks really good. Um, you know, they, they look quite strong in the midfield. Um we need that number eight. It doesn't really fit the bill. Um, I think the the length of the contract would um, be an important um, sort of dynamic to this to this deal because, as you said, at, at 34, I reckon you could get sort of one, two years maybe. Yeah, maybe out of it. You know, certainly one at the level that he is now. And um, you know, as you said, despite how seriously he takes the fitness and all the Liverpool. Players will tell you that you know he is the fittest player in that squad. Um, to ask him to to come and play that role in centre midfield for another two three years, and and the thing is, is you know, he doesn't play game in game out at Liverpool, uh, and that would be more or less the expectation with a club like us or Leeds. You know, he he'd play a good 75 80 percent of all the matches that we have in a season. It's it's a big ask for someone of his age, but. If the fees there, right, and you can balance the playing time with his age, it would be a would be a nice deal, and I think it gives us some needed experience. It would, and I think if you're considering the deal as a,
0: you know, we're saying it doesn't fit the profile in terms of age, and yeah, sure, that's completely fair. But this is uh, a man who's won like three Premier Leagues, he's won the the Champions League, almost called it the European Cup then, uh, Sevilla things. Um, <laughs> you know, he's he's played at the top level for so long, uh, and. He's got, he's like, you know, people like try and banter him and mug him off for being, you know, boring Milner. You know, we all love the account. Uh, But, you know, James Milner has this quite rare elite mentality that a lot of players don't seem to have. I was doing a bit of reading the other day uh, and there's an article in the Times where he says he only speaks to his children in Spanish because they're all trying to learn, like his whole family is trying to learn Spanish uh, and he's stubborn like that. So if his children tried to speak to him, he would only reply to them in Spanish and expect that they speak to him in Spanish which um, <laughs> I, I don't know if he's angling for a move to Real or whatever but you know uh, I, it's, it's just stuff like that is funny but it's like it explains so much why Milner is is so able to stay like at the peak of his power still at 34 you know outruns everybody at Liverpool. He, I think as well you know we've got a really good squad like the the dressing room seems really close and I think it wouldn't harm anyone really to have someone like Milner in who, you know, he, he can have a laugh with the lads and stuff, but he is, uh, you know, he, he's the model professional. He takes himself seriously. He's been at the club before. He knows what it, he knows the expectation that's on the shoulders as soon as you walk out on the pitch at Villa Park. Um And it was, it was certainly a surprising link, but it, it got me really excited. It's, you know, relive them uh, O'Neill days that are, are kind of plagued with, uh, you know, uh, it, it, looking back, there were some good days, but with how we walked out, left the club, obviously the, the squad got picked apart. But you know, you know, back between like oh six and oh nine, watching that team, Milner, Barry, Downing, Carew, Gavi, there's just so many good
1: memories, Dan. Yeah, and I, I think that that that's what you know. He played 123 times for the Villa, and um, the the Liverpool's last game against Chelsea was his 150th for Liverpool. Um, which which is, is crazy considering, you know, he won, won two Premier Leagues with Man City in, in between yeah. those two clubs. Um And so, you, you know, it, as you said, there's so much romance surrounding that period. And the, and the fact that we haven't, regardless of what people, Martin O'Neill split opinion, he still does to this day. I, I don't think that there is a sort of clear... Um, defining memory or like fans don't all see Martin O'Neill or that it it, it were in the same way there's no clear way of it's it's sort of this real mixed um, sort of feeling of emotion when when a lot of fans look back on that as you say mate because it was so good at points but it ended so badly Um, but the fact of the matter is is we have never been that good not just since then but probably you and I uh, you're in our lifetimes mate. Yeah. That, that's probably um, you know we sit here at the age of, of you know kind of coming into our, our early 20s and that's by far and away the best Villa best side that we ever saw so I think it's our generation in particular that look back on that era with such fondness and that's why this deal sort of really tugs on the old heartstrings um, but you know if we have taken all the emotion out of it mate I think he had um, a vital bit of experience to the least experienced aspect of our squad yeah um, you know, which is which is undoubtedly the midfield that that, you know, it's we have um starting to pick experience into the squad now, but you know, that, that midfield needs it. Um, especially I'm talking Premier League experience. Um and so that would be great. Um we we need an eight as well. So if yeah. it's that he's got that great versatility, which I probably think is, is the best thing about James Milner, is that he I think he's played pretty much every position on the pitch. Uh, For Liverpool, but did for us as well, which I think a lot of people sort of forget is that you know he started out on the right when we when he had that initial loan uh, from Newcastle, which became a a permanent. A couple, I think it was a couple of seasons later actually. So I think he came on loan to us, went back to Newcastle for a year, and then we signed him. um, And then carried on on the right, slotted into centre midfield, um, and uh, we had that a great midfield of Young, Barry, Downing, and Milner, which which you were just speaking about. Uh, and yeah, but as you say, I think, um, you know, romance aside, whilst there is a great dose to that, is, it would be it would be a good deal for this squad too.
0: Absolutely. And on the complete other end of the spectrum, in terms of age, potential, ability, Ismaili Asar, who signed for Watford uh, last summer, before he signed for Watford as well, he was uh, within the top five most exciting prospects uh, under the age of 21, which is, is quite impressive when you look, Watford were able to... To, to come in for this guy, uh, and he definitely set the Premier League alight. Obviously, Watford did end up getting relegated, and he is still, uh, as as we're recording now on the on, on the on, on the Wednesday, a Watford player. He is, you know, I, I think he caught the headlines in the Liverpool game where Watford beat Liverpool on three uh, one, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And in a game that nobody expected, uh, and if you look at his stats, twenty eight appearances. Five goals, four assists. Again, you may not be enthralled by what this guy has to offer, but there's bags and bags of potential available. Liverpool were in for him. It seemed like an either-or with, with Saar and Jota. They've obviously ended up paying the £41 million for Jota from Wolves. Uh, but, you know, Saar, he he adds a much-needed dynicism to the, to, to the forward line. He's quick. He's pacey. He can create these chances, you know. Uh, he, he's... He's a good assister. Obviously, got four assists last season. Uh, makes plenty of passes, an average of eighteen a game. Uh, created nine big chances last season in the Premier League. And he's, again, it's just it's such an exciting link. Again, I can't believe Dan, we're still here. We've we've signed four players. Smith said the business isn't done, and we're still talking about such high, you know, potential high-profile signings like Saar.
1: Yeah, it's it's a very. Um... It's one that interested me to be honest with you, and the fact this came about after we signed Traore because Saar plays on the same side. Yeah. Um. And that that's what confuses me is that um, you know, I think Villa fans really want Rashidka. Um. am Personally, in, in that camp, I think if you offered me out the two, what I absolutely love is Maldasar. Um. And you know, I actually, as you say, mate, you know, it's when he came to Watford, I was blown away by that deal. Um, because of how exciting he was at Rennes. Um, you know, he was playing play Stavron eight and he was tearing up Ligue 1 uh, at such a young age, coming out of Senegal. Um, and I fully expected him to go to a, an elite European-level club, and then he signed for Watford. And it's all went under the radar for quite a yeah. long time. I, I was like, you know, this is a, a, crazy, a crazy deal. I was like, Watford, if, if they can harness this... Um, they've signed one of the best young players in, in world football um, and it started slowly for him and he didn't play much I remember trying to like, keeping an eye out for Watford and seeing if he was playing it took him a while and then suddenly in the second half of the season it sort of snapped for him and then you had that game like Liverpool and then we started to see more of his pace his one-on-one abilities his nails for goal and then you said sort of like, right okay this is why this is why they picked him up this is what he's capable of um, the problem is, if you're a Watford fan, it just came a little bit too late. Uh, I yeah. think it's it, it too long for them to tap into that. Um, I would prefer Rashitsko because he's more natural on the other side. Um, I think if we signed Wat, uh, if we signed Sa, um, <laughs> we'd we'd sort of been asking him to fill in on the left. Um, or you know even what him or Bertrand has got to play in a slightly more favorable position and that's not to say it can't be done I just think if you're going to go and pay that money um, you might as well pay it with someone that, that is is bred to play the position that you're asking um, however taking all that aside he's an unbelievable talent and the resale value of this deal I think is what you've got to look at um, because if, if we sign him and he comes on and he continues to establish himself and play like he did in the second half of the season with Waterford, then his his transfer value just goes through the roof. Um, we're not going to be alone at looking at him. Uh, Liverpool have just uh, signed a jota, but Man United apparently are still looking at Sar. So there's still some some big names that, that we'd have to tempt him away from. Um, there's a few stumbling blocks, there's a few if buts and maybes around this deal. But I tell you what, mate, if, if he did come to the Villa, then what an exciting signing it would be. It really would be, and as
0: well, you know, maybe maybe Bertrand was a squad filler if, if we get Saar because, as you say, they can't they both play on the right. Maybe the plan is still for Grealish to play on the left. We've all seen the, uh, you know, the funny Sport Bible video with with Jack and Dean going at each other. Uh, I came up on my timeline again this morning about about which position is the best position for Jack, which you know is debatable. But uh, yeah, as you say, it. it doesn't really make much sense, but then again, you know, I look at the deal for Martinez in cash and what Smith was saying with both of them. It's not very often, especially with with, with Emmy, is that you get to sign a player uh, f- for a fee like that that is yet to reach the peak of their powers. Villa haven't really done that for a while, uh, and 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 Saar is a long way off fulfilling his potential. But I I don't you know there's a, there's a huge ceiling with Saar. There really is, um, and you know whilst Villa don't want to become this kind of selling club. I think ultimately what the ambition is for Villa, Um, and I I hate to make this comparison because I'm sure people will laugh in the comments, but if you look at what Borussia Dortmund do in terms of developing young talent, sell it on, they still remain competitive in the league uh, and in domestic cup competitions. Obviously, they play European football. It's very much a model that other teams want to mimic, uh, and you've just got to look at the kind of scouting systems that have been set up the young players that we've been signing to the club quite a few Dutch lads we've been picking up uh you know even the likes of Louis Barry uh players like that you know high potential players in the academy get them through the first team um and I don't think there's anything wrong with selling your best players as long as there's players to replace them Um, well I think
1: that you've just got to look at um the model that Lange built at Copenhagen yeah whereby they did bring through and, and continue to bring through so many players at low fees, develop them. And, and whilst, you know, they are in a very limited market and, and they're limited as to the players that they can keep, they did manage to keep that flow of incomings and outgoings consistent, but still compete in the, in the Super League, and still compete in European competition. Yeah, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there.
0: Obviously, we're talking about a completely different kettle of fish. This is the Premier League, but there's no reason why Villa can't keep, you know, finding these gems, uncovering them, flip them for, for big profits because there's no doubt SAR is going to be an 80 million pound player in two or three years time uh, especially mm-hmm. you know with, with with clubs such as United sniffing around you can pretty much you know you can pretty much demand whatever transfer fee at the moment United are that desperate it's not even dead certain that he, he would even go to United considering how, how often they've missed out on their targets Um so yeah SAR would be a, an incredibly exciting one mate and before we round it up Obviously, and we have to talk about this on the podcast for two reasons. One, huge news, Keelan Davis has signed a new contract extension. Two we have to make it official that there's this Twitter account called the Keenan Davis <laughs> fan club. And I would just like to point out that it is not me. And I would understand why you could think it's me. But even I am kind of bewildered by this. Now, I love Keenan. Keenan Van Nistelrooy, you know, it's a bit of a meme on the channel. I love Keenan. Um, I think there's potential with him. I will scrap anyone on that point. I'll, you know, I'll die on that hill that Keenan Davis has the potential to become a very good player. I didn't make this uh, Twitter account. I'd just like to point out, um, but with that news... And Samata seemingly being linked with a move to Funibace, uh, it look, you know the striker talk keeps coming, and a name that we've heard a few times throughout the window, we've spoke about it. I've spoken about it on the BBC, Oddswan Edwards. Um, now at 40 million, it's a lot of money it is, but this guy he looks like an absolute baller from what we've seen. Again, we've done a podcast on Edwards, so if you want to see that in more detail, uh, there will be a link to that in the description. Very exciting prospect for France. Incredible goal record for Celtic, Dan. Uh, I was telling you just before I was speaking to a Scottish friend uh, who doesn't seem to think he's worth the money. But then again, he also said to me that he couldn't believe we paid two and a half million for John McGinn uh, because Celtic were trying to get him for like around 800k, uh, which I guess just shows you the the lack of money that is in Scottish football. So for, for, for a local, 40 million, apparently too much, but... Again, this guy just looks so exciting, Dan.
1: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, this is a player that I've spoken about and uh, on, a, on another part. Uh, we did him in with, was it Sillison? Who was the I, other player? I think player? It, was, it was, yeah. Edouard, uh, and it was when we were living with Sillison and, and the Valencia raid. Um, and I love Edward. Um The thing is, is with the fee is that I think it's very much a sort of... Um, Testing the resolve of, of these, these Scottish clubs for those players, yeah. um, because you know Celtic can come out and say that they want forty million for Artan Edward, He's not a forty million pound player, yeah. um, never. But you know if you go and put the money in Celtic's face and you say, look, we'll give you twenty five for a, for a, for a club like that, in a league where they're in, if they went and bought a twenty five million pound striker off the continent. Um, he he would go on and and replace Edward no end do you know what I mean and so it's just a matter of testing like um, I liken it to uh, Alfredo Morelos uh, at Rangers who who is pretty much you know him and Edward are competing tit for tat as for being the the best striker in in the SPL Um, you know there's a lot of baggage with Alfie but you can't deny his goal record and that what he's been doing for Rangers, not just in the SPL, but in the Europa League. He was the top scorer in last year's Europa League. Um, He's an absolute bagsman. He's got a very similar goal record to Edouard. And he might be going out the door for Rangers for about 16 to 20 million. Um, Just because once they're actually presented with this money, these SPL clubs, um, I think it's very difficult to say when, you know, when, as you said, when they're signing, looking at the likes of John McGinn for like 800k and someone comes in, right, we'll give you Twenty-five million for your striker. Um, it's very difficult yeah. to say. Nah, come on, give us forty. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so I think you know if you went and tested Celtic with with a bid that's a little bit lower than the Raskin price, I think you could possibly nudge them. Um, they're a player. They're a club that we've actually done a lot of dealing with. In the past we have quite a good relationship with, with Celtic um, you know sending players to and from most recently Scott Sinclair I want to say is the yeah. latest player that's sort of gone between the clubs which actually wasn't that long ago believe it or not only two three seasons um, and so yeah like look I love Osana Edward. I think he would be a great option. I, I question the need for another striker really um, if we're playing four three3, We have Watkins. I mean, it depends on Wesley. That's the big question mark, isn't it? It really does depend on Wes. You know, apparently he might be coming back in December. I've seen links. I've seen stories saying that we don't have long-term plans for Wes. Uh, There was a story run by the Daily Mail, which they then deleted. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, mate. So they ran a, a story saying that Wes wasn't going to be back until December. The Daily Mail tweeted, and then but we had plans to sell him next season, and then deleted it know so why what that was about press office um, has
0: been on that one
1: yeah yeah um so i don't know wes is a big question mark man and only the guys at the club will know what wesley's future is and i think if we sign another striker i think that's possibly an indicator that wes could be going out the door because if we pay another and we have three 130 million pound striker in ollie watkins 122 million pound striker in wesley and then another 25 30 million pound striker you can't rotate all three of them for one striking spot in a 4-3-3. Three, three. One of them has to go, and that's when you have then a Keenan playing second or third fiddle. Um, so, it's all, you know, I think this deal, if it, it did go through, would be a, a big indicator on our big Brazilians future, man.
0: Could you imagine, though, Villa, Dean Smith's tricky villains in Europe with those three strikers? The, the depth, I mean, it's insane. You, you know, not even, you know, your super clubs have, have that kind of depth, but... Yeah, it, it, a bit of a pipe dream. Hopefully uh, that article on Wes wasn't true because you know you guys know this is the Wesley Filler podcast. We're big fans of Wes. Uh, he can't come back soon enough for me. Uh, but yeah, that's a good note to end the podcast on. Dan, some great transfer rumours uh, that have been floating about recently. If you guys did enjoy this podcast, leave a like, subscribe and comment your thoughts on the signings. Do you think Milner and Saar would be good signings? And also, would you like to see Edward? What would that mean for Wes? We'd like to know all of your thoughts in the comments down below. Uh, so, yeah, if you guys enjoyed, subscribe and up the villa. Jeff is essential to fulfilling this potential. It's the main man, a hero. He's the main leader of the gang. Jeff is the main leader of the gang now.